Well, welcome everybody to The Calling Vision, um, where we're going to explore how you change the world by aligning with, um, aligning with and partnering with the vision that is calling you. You know, the vision that has selected you to come into form. So this is B.B. Harding, your host, and I have today as my guest, Kim Beer. So welcome, Kim. Hi, B.B. Thank you. Hi, B.B. How are you today? I'm doing great. Yourself? I'm doing well, doing well. The end of a nice long first part of a week for me. So fun. Ah, I like that. So just to introduce Kim or give people a few words about Kim. Uh, my first exposure to Kim was probably back in 2011, where I was a student in the Touch by a Horse program. And Kim was making the rounds as the totally awesome horse picture taker person. And uh, so anyway, <laughs> I mean, Kim did a lot of pictures for a lot of the students in the program. And um, she did a lot of them. And I'll tell you, it was a true experience. So, you know, go through that for myself. Well, it turns out that over the years, I, you know, Kim has certainly enhanced her toolbox. She's certainly moved beyond the, you know, the awesome total picture taker for, you know, you and your horse into, you know, she's got many tools that are up her sleeve that she can use to support you becoming more of who you're wanting to be. So among her many talents is the fact that Kim is a podcaster. She's an award-winning equine photographer. She's an author. She's a speaker. She's a big business builder. She um, has done a lot of things. And she's an artist, among other things. And I think I mentioned that she was a podcaster. She's also a certified equine gestalt coach and going for the advanced training in that. And, and I understand that you are now currently studying hypnotherapy. So did I leave I anything out? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. I Yes, I have um, an extensive amount of things that I have done. And I enjoy every single one of them. So I'm one of those people who people always say, wow, that's a lot. And yes, it is a lot, but what it's done is it given, it has given me an amazing toolkit to offer my clients to get them where they want to go. So I love all the experiences I've had and all of the things that I've learned how to do. And yes, hypnosis is the latest studying that I've done. Because I feel like we um, get in our own way so much in life and um, hypnosis is another tool that I can apply for my clients to help remove the obstacles that keep them from achieving what they want to achieve. Very good. Thank you for that, Kim. So, um, you know, you've been at this for a really, really long time. And I imagine that there've been a lot of evolutions and it was nice to hear that you do a lot of things, but you really, really love a lot of things. So at the same time, has there been a, a common theme for all the things that you do? Yes. Um, I Well, yes and no. So I think in the beginning, I started out being a photographer and a graphic designer. And I actually started in this in the business world as an entrepreneur, as a graphic designer. That was what I did. I designed, actually, it was before the internet, and I designed um, print materials and marketing materials for people. And I really quickly um, learned that a lot of the people that I was serving 
had difficulty even with the stuff they got from me. Like marketing always seems to be such a big hurdle for entrepreneurs. And I fell into a lot of those hurdles as well. And I think what kicked in in me was the problem solver. I do love to solve a good problem. <laughs> so, and I'm, I'm very much an ideator. So in the Clifton Strengths Finder, ideation is at the top of my strengths. So, um, and then strategy closely follows that. So that meant that I quickly moved away from being the person that was just told what to do into the person who wanted to help. And I think that kicked in my value system, which is to make a difference. So mm -hmm. the bottom line thread for me in all of my career has really hinged on helping people make it well, me helping them make the difference they want to make in the world, whether that be through marketing or through now, um, much higher level strategy, get out of your own way work. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's been the common <laughs> theme that, I think right? throughout. Yeah. You we know, all get in our own way for sure. Nah. <laughs> But, you know, I can definitely say for myself, I know that I get in my own way. And, and uh, you know, just as a feedback, Kev, you know, one of the things that I've really experienced about you is that you really are there to support the other person and, you know, moving forward. And, you know, I, you know, had some of the experience, you know, and marketing is definitely not one of my strong suits. And so it's nice to have somebody like you around who understands it and can and help inspire a person, you know, to go in that direction. So, um, absolutely. You know, the, your theme of being able to make a difference, and is that something that um, you feel that is something that you grew up with? Well, you know, like you were, you expected to make a difference, or do you feel it's like a personal internal growth factor that has come to you over the years? I think it's always been with me and I'm not sure that it is anything in my parental raising. Like, I don't think it's a nurture thing with me. I think it's actually very much my nature. I, in my family, my family raised me to be independent, but, but independent in a way that was not always so super giving. I, I, um, you'll understand this. I don't know how much your audience will understand it, but I am an NF that was born in a very, um, much NTSJ kind of family. So I was the alien. And, um, so I know I was nurtured to be very protective of that, not always be in service of others. Whereas, that was my heart. That was what I wanted to do. And I've, I've slowly worked my career and my life around where it's more focused on being in service and making a difference and, and being very much in community with other people. Um, so I think it was born in me. I think it was something I brought to this lifetime. And I think it's a fulfillment for me to um, be in the positions that I am now. So when you talk about, you know, being able to slowly make the transition so that you were more in alignment with your NF as opposed to the upbringing that you had, what are we talking about in terms of time span? I assume that that wasn't like an immediate thing. <laughs> no, 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 no.
know. It was decades. It has taken me decades to get here. And um, I often, you know, that wonderful game you play with yourself where you look back and you think, well, if I could do it all over again, would I do it the same way? And when I play that game with myself, I look back at the beginning of my life and say, I wished I'd had the awareness of who I was when I was in my early 20s. I would have been a much happier human had I discovered this, had I given, had I had allowance of who I really was, I guess that's it. It's not discovered it. I think I knew it all along, but I didn't allow that part of me to be present partially because it got me hurt a lot growing mm. up. Like once I got into school and around other people, you know, when you are a giving person and you have a big heart and you, you um, really get in there to help other people, other people aren't always so nice. when they, when they're on the receiving end of that and they take deep advantage of you. So I think that that, um, combined with my upbringing, which was more, you know, focused on, on, uh, not being that put your out self out there and wear your heart on your sleeve kind of person. Um, I don't think I had a, I don't think I had allowance of that until probably I got into my forties. I mean, it's really been a more recent phenomenon when I've been very in touch with who I am. And I can tell you the more, um, the more allowance that I have around those skills, the happier a human I am, uh, really trying to, I don't know, build a fence around myself and be, that wasn't who I was. So, or who I am. And once I kind of tore down those gates and, and said, I will be an allowance of who I truly am, then I started to become happier and happier. I don't know if that makes sense to anyone, but it, it, uh, that's the way it happened. And yeah. Did did you have, um, like a particular event that transpired in your life that kind of was like a wake up call that says, wait, this is just not working. Oh yeah. And do you want to talk? Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. It's, um, it's a pivotal event in my life and it happened when I was 33 years old and, um, it was, I got thrown off a horse. Um, and it was a very, it was a colt that I was riding. I know we all have the horses in common, right? So it was a young horse I was riding. It was a stormy day. Um, and my intuition and my beingness told me that, the whole situation was not good. I was worried for the young horse that I was with. I was worried about um, myself. My intuition was very, very clear to me to say, don't do this. This isn't a good situation and you need to get yourself and this mare out of this situation. And I was talked into by the people that were in my life at the time. I was talked into ignoring my own intuition and not going against and going against my better judgment. And the result was that I ended up in the hospital with a severely broken arm. And um, I, I had a moment in that horse wreck, which I've done now done gestalt work on. So I have a lot of the messages. So the charge has been removed around it. But in the middle of that, I had a very, very clear message from spirit that you do need to wake up and see the people in your life for who they are. 
And the underlying message to that was you need to wake up and see who you are as a person. And then I was very unceremoniously slammed into the ground because apparently I don't get those messages really easy and (laughs) had to go through a little bit of a wreck to get it done. But it was the start of, of a very big change in my life. And the change was rapid at first. And then um, as course as change always does, it's never a beautiful straight line trajectory. There were lots of ups and downs. And I had to go repeat some of the relationships that I had extricated myself from after that particular incident. I went out and recreated them again in the world. And this time it was a much faster learning curve. I was like, oh yeah, there's where that went wrong (laughs) or there's where that toxic trait is. And I do attribute a lot of that to my work with Melissa Pierce, who is the founder of Touched by a Horse. Um, I did a lot of, of work and she was very instrumental in guiding me into understanding who I was and, and who I am and, and what I could be in the world and all of the things that were very much veiled in, in, in obstruction from my childhood became very clear. And so, and then integrating that experience into becoming what Gestalt hopes us to be a more whole human that's in touch with all of our pieces and parts. And um, that's where I fell in love with Gestalt. And that's where I fell in love with this modality of changing, of helping people change their lives. Mm, Thank you, Kim. Yeah. I was giggling there when you said that, you know, Apparently, it takes a while to learn the lesson. I know I've experienced that myself where it seems like, okay, well, how many two befores do I have to get hit with before I get it? And uh, so I can really identify to that. So you had like your intuition that had said, you know, hey, not a good, not a good idea to go do this. What happened, you know, after, did you start turning more and more to developing your intuition or did that still take even more time? before you moved into that? It took more time. It took so much more time. Uh, um, it was, it was a moment of so much of my childhood. I was, it was gaslighting and I fell easy prey to other people in my life that would. So I never could really get a firm grasp on, on what was my reality. Um, Mm because I was constantly told that reality was not what I was experiencing. So that's a weird position or a weird thing to grow up in. And I have this really complicated origin story. I mean, it it would take two movies if I were a a Marvel superhero to get through my origin story. (laughs) I, I would have to have part one and part two and maybe part three. So I have this really complex childhood that seems on the surface like it was fairy tale but underneath it was the deep dark forest and um you know getting in grasp with that it took a really long time for all of those veils to lift and for me to feel more comfortable with my intuition and i would say that is decidedly still a work in progress there are a lot of days still where i question i have that baseline intuition and i question it i'm like okay that seems like it's my reality but is it really my reality mm-hmm. and um 
Yeah. Mm. And it's really, it's a, it's been a big education for me to be able to, um, trust myself. Yeah, I, I can totally relate to that. I feel like, uh, you know, for myself personally, learning to trust myself has been probably one of my bigger lessons, you know, for this, this lifetime around is learning to trust myself. Um, because there's been a lot of doubt, you know, quite frankly, you know, things don't pan out the way that I think that they're going to pan out. And, and also, you know, I'm, I'm a student of human design now and, you know, really learning about the fact that, um, you know what, there's a, a process called deconditioning, which is not unlike the gestalt that we've learned, but it's like taking um, an understanding, you know, how we grew up and then learning to rewrite the story in a way that uh, that changes the outcome in a lot of ways. And I know that trust is my, one of my huge lessons in there and trust by intuition is definitely one of them. Yeah. It's a hard step though, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's that step of faith that you have to take out there in yourself. And I know that it was, that it's always been difficult for me because it, it's just, if you've grown up with any kind of weirdness like that, like where, where there were like veils and secrets and that kind of thing, it's really hard to trust out into the world and you're learning to trust your own perception when you've been constantly told your perception is wrong. Um, it's it's a hard road to hoe, <laughs> to borrow yeah. a nice agricultural cliche. Well, you know, speaking of agricultural, didn't you also grow up on a ranch? I mean, I do. I still live on it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say a multi-generational ranching family. Yes. Um, so I am actually just second generation, um, raising the third generation, hopefully that'll be here, but yes, I, the, and interestingly, so I know you're always interested in, um, so for me, synergies and synchronicities in life, uh, fascinate me. And one of the interesting, more interesting things in my story is the piece of property that I live on. My parents bought this, um, and I was adopted by my maternal grandparents, which is a a key to understanding this, is that they purchased this piece of land just slightly before I was conceived. And they had no intention of having or raising another child. But then here I am. And it, I am very intrinsically connected to this ranch. Now I've left it um, on occasion. I have lived in other places, but I have returned And it and I are intertwined for my lifetime here at the very least and possibly even beyond that. It's, it's a very interesting connection that I have with this piece of property. So um, especially here, right around where my home is built. So it's an interesting equation in, in my life to understand that. And yeah, yeah. So it's it's very different and very interesting to have that connection to this place. So it sounds like to me that you know the land is calling you. You know, very you, much so. Yeah, yeah, and very much so. What would you imagine might be what it is that the land is asking of you at this point in your I life? I think. It, 
I think it's asking for the same thing that I'm doing out in the world. And that is to heal people. That is to bring, to instill more joy in people. This, this land has a very different feeling to it than the land surrounding it. There is a different type of peace and completion here. And in a, again, in those funny little synergies that show up in our lives, when I first moved here, the address numerically added up to 12, I believe. And in the midst of that, we've gotten 911 in our area. So for those of you who live in the cities, you're probably like, what? That's been around forever. <laughs> well, when you live not in the what? middle of nowhere, it's not. <laughs> so it's been, I think we got that in probably 2007, 2008, 2009, somewhere in that vicinity. And they changed our address and numerically this property became 21. So it's numerical value went up to 21, which in the tarot is completion. It's the world card. It's 21 holds a whole different significance than its flip, which is 12. So it's, it's very much around that same time when I, I started having my awakening moving towards that, that world card towards that deeper understanding from a bigger perspective. So again, the funny little synchronicities, synergies that show up in the world. But I think that's what we both are experiencing. The land and I are experiencing that all at the same time. And I'm going to tell you, it's been a struggle here and there, and we have both had to make some sacrifices, but mm -hmm. it feels closer than it's ever felt of becoming a realization. And more and more humans have experienced joy here than have ever experienced joy here before. So I feel like we're all moving in the right direction. So it's like you can really feel like the partnership between you and the land and how the two of you are working towards healing, not just, not just yes. you and not just it. Yeah. Yeah. Do, and, do you, and each other. Say more about that. So I believe that, that places want to be healed as much as people do. And <laughs> I believe this place um, has experienced trauma and it has experienced, it's experienced things that weren't positive. And in all of the work that I'm doing, which is getting into more of the woo-woo kind of stuff, it, but it's a lot about energy and clearing bad energy and bringing in positive energy and all of that. I feel like this is a healing for it as well. This is a place for it to integrate and to become that as well, because let's face it. I mean, when we think about energy, this ranch is 759 acres and um, approximately half of that is going to be forest or timber in Missouri. We call that timber. That's a lot of lives that exist on this property. It's a lot of energy. It's a lot of movement. And it's a lot of things that have been here for a very, very long time. Um, and that is born witness to many different things that have occurred here. And mm -hmm. so for us to move forward together, um, 
in, in this place, in this space, I think that the healing is two ways. I think it's the humans come here to be healed, but I think in that process, the witnessing becomes different. Yeah. What strikes me is it's not only the land witnessing the people healing, it's also being there to serve as a healer, Um, you know, to hold that space for the people um, to be able to do their own healing work. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if uh, I've, I don't, haven't really talked to you about what it is that I'm attempting to do here, but I really feel that that a vision selects you as much as we go around writing up the big dream plan for how we're going to manifest things in the world. What's your response to that? Do you feel that a vision is calling you and pulling you forward right now? Um, I think it always has. Now, I, I will say that with the caveat that I also think that you have to do the work in the calling. But for me, and you know me, be well enough to know that I'm not the most organized human on the planet. I have a lot of ambition and I have a lot of heart, but I'm always not always the most focused person around. And um, in my younger years, I used to tell people I was, I have always been successful um, to what a degree that most people would have called me successful, even when I was younger even Mm -hmm. though I might not have said that about myself by the degrees of society, I was a pretty successful human. I got good grades. I, you know, I mean, I've been a successful human from early on to now, but all of the success that I found um, until the last 10 or 12 years has mostly been by accident. It's just simply me tripping over, falling into, walking backwards, serendipity, <laughs> you know, kind mm-hmm. of yep, thing of, 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 of finding that. And so in the, in the context of the question that you asked, do I think that my vision is calling me? I think it laid down the path for me to be able to walk on to get where I am now, even when I was so disconnected from any type of a vision that I could barely see straight in front of me. It it was there to lift me up and support me to get me to where I am. And then along the way, I began to catch up and go, oh, wait a minute. I see what we're doing. Let me quit tripping over my own feet and possibly start really working in that direction as well and, and clearing the trail out so that 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 vision can become a reality. So I think it's really honestly a two-way street. I do think that you get called to do it, but I also think you have to show up for it. And that's the thing I think that worries me in some of my clients or things that I feel like I can help with is that I see people being called or being moved towards a certain thing, but they're not showing up. They're not showing up for their, for in my case, most of my clients are entrepreneurs. They don't show up for their business because there's something in the way. And I think that gets, it, it, um, it negates or it, it lessens their part of that contract (laughs) with the vision itself. I mean, I think you, I think there's more to it than just a calling. I think you have to show up and participate. So what are some of the things that, you know, let's call them your tools 
um, that you have used to help you continuously show up, you know, for your, for your work, you know, cause I'm sure so there have the been first times one... when things have, yeah, sorry. Cause I'm sure there have been times You're fine. where it was not a piece of cake, you know, and that you might no. want it to have thrown in the towel here and there. So what's the thing that's kept you going? What's the thing that's allowed you to continue to show up? So I I think in the beginning, it was sheer tenacity, right? So it was just, I am going to keep showing up for myself. Now, I'm going to tell you, there was a period of time in my 20s that were very dark that I really considered not showing up at all in any mm -hmm. way, shape or form. But I pulled myself out of that. Um, really don't know how that happened. We're going to accredit it to my guides who basically carried me when I couldn't be carried or couldn't carry myself. But past that little, past that hiccup, it wasn't a little one, it was a big one, past that hiccup, um, the things I've done is be open. So that was probably the number one thing that I have done. And to be open to things not looking the way that I would have absolutely perfectly needed them to look. So that openness right there is what allowed me to have a conversation with Melissa when I was positioned next to her at an equine affair in 2006. If I had been very closed off and shut down, I would have never done that. I would have never been open to this woman with the funky, you know, card deck sitting next to me. I, I would have been like, Oop, you know, hi, how are you? That was it. But because I was open and gregarious and wanted to have conversations and learn more and explore, it really opened doors that would open other doors that would open other doors. So openness is one of those things. I think the next thing is, is that I had to get out of my own bullshit <laughs> in, a, in a really rough manner of speaking. So I had, I had told myself so many things and let myself off of the hook so many times. And I really had to learn how to get past my own BS and understand that I was the master of my world and that I could trust myself and that I could be, um, I could be there. And, and then that led to the literal showing up. So, and I will tell you that my business and my life shifted when I stopped making excuses and started showing up, even when it was hard, even when there were things that I was going to get judged for, or when I was going to let people down in some capacity, if I kept showing up, things happened. And along that process, I showed up for myself. And I think the, the, probably the next thing that had to happen is I had to understand me. And I, I tell you, one of the most freeing things in my life was when I very first started working with Melissa, one of the first things she did is gave me the Kiersey Bates temperament test. And we went over my typology and I will tell you, it is the most freeing thing in the world for somebody to be able to tell you when you've had to go against your type your entire life. Like I lived in a very different type than I was to say, no, who you are is who you are. And that's your preference. And, you know, good for you for flexing that opposite side, but 
this is how you would prefer to do things. Wouldn't that feel good? And I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that introduction into that. understanding myself was like, wow, <laughs> you know, okay. I'm not morally defective. I'm not, there isn't anything wrong with me. I, this is the way I'm built. And if I work more towards in the way I am built and show up in how I bring the most to the table, it's easier to show up for the world and for your vision and for your business. Yes. Yes. I, I can totally relate to that Kim, because I can remember after I got fired from this one job, I was working with the state of California. I'm not even sure, like unemployment group. And so they had a deal for professionals. And the person who was the mentor of that group wanted me to go take the, um, not the Kersey Bates, but the other one, uh, Myers-Briggs. Myers-Briggs. Yeah. 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 And she kept saying to me, you have got to be a J off the scale. And the test came back where I was an X and she goes, no, there's something wrong. And, uh, and it turned out that I have more P meetings than I do J meetings. It's just that I was trained well. And uh, so I totally, totally yeah. get what you're saying about, you know, you, you've learned to adapt to what people have trained you to be. And at the same time, that's not who you really are. And and finding out that no, you, you actually are different is like, wow. It's such a relief. It is. It was such a relief for me because my mother, we were having this discussion the other day about, you know, when you and I grew up, the parents we grew up with really pushed us probably, I don't know about you, but my parents pushed me to say, you need to get the job that gives you the pension and that you're going to stay out for 40 years and retire. And then you're all good. Right. Yeah. So there was this very clear trajectory for them and entrepreneurship was what my parents did after they retired. (laughs) So they retired from their pension jobs and became entrepreneurs, but that was the safe way to do it. Right. So for me, um, you know, my mother told me very early in life, you need to get a good job. And when I was younger, women didn't have jobs like entrepreneurs or even writers weren't that, weren't that popular or graphic designers or photographers especially photography was a very male dominated industry when I first went into it in the eighties. So she's always like, you need to get yourself a good job. You know, you need to get that job, be a secretary. That was her solution to things. Okay. Here's the problem with me being a secretary. I am a P I have some J points, but I am a P, which means that I don't organize myself well, let alone a bunch of eight to 10 men that I got to track <laughs> down and keep their calendars organized and make sure they get to meetings on time and have everything they need. That was not happiness for me. That was not it. happiness. Living, living in a very rigid, like this is the way everything has to be done. You have to be here specifically, there specifically. I mean, it was such a regimented job and yes, I could do it. And I, I did it okay, but it was unhappy for me because it was a constant and never ending struggle. 
And then when I learned that, oh my gosh, here's me. And guess what? My flexibility, my ability to adapt, my ability to really think outside the box, to move around the rules, to, you know, to expand rather than stay within the lines. That's an asset, right? It's not a detriment. It's an asset. And in that job that I had when I was younger in corporate America, I wrote technical manuals. I was a secretary and then I wrote technical manuals, gave me some great skills, will not lie, but it was not a happy space. It was very regimented, very, very clearly defined. And it's not my superpower. My superpower is on the other side of that. And that was what my big takeaway was over that first interaction was, Ooh, look at me. I can actually engage what I love to do. And you know what? I'll make more impact when I do that. So, yay. Yeah. <laughs> so do you feel that, you know, I mean, to me, what you're talking about is like what I would call also your more artistic side. So yeah, how have you used what, besides doing, you know, graphic design and, you know, helping creating websites, how else have you used your artistic self? Oh, the creativity comes into everything. So creativity is a baseline thing for me. So I'll be honest with you, Vivi. One of the very first things that, well, one of the things that I've discovered recently, it wasn't a first thing, but it was a, it was one of the first things that I discovered after I started into GCM was my creativity is what saved my life. Mm-hmm. Um, it was my go-to strategy for how I made it through my childhood how I made it through and navigated all of the, the weirdness and, and oddity of my childhood. It was my creativity that I fell back on to keep me here on this planet. So the creativity is my lifeline. It truly, truly is. So it, it plays into everything that I do. And the weird thing about it is I've been able to tap into it as a skill. And I learned it when I became a graphic designer because at when you're a graphic designer, you have to be creative for somebody else. So mm-hmm. it's not creativity for yourself. Creativity for yourself is for me is super easy. It's like a breeze, right? And for a lot of creatives or people that we call creatives, that tends to be really easy. It's when they need to do it um, for another person. And then you add the whole complication of it being on a timetable as well as for another individual then that really complicates a lot of things. And it took me a while to learn how to do that. But over time, I've been able to navigate that to what I consider is a pretty masterful degree. I don't know as though I have completely mastered it, but I've gotten fairly masterful at it. So that means I have to be creative on demand. And so I have learned over my lifetime how to engage and amplify my creativity and bring it to every single thing I do, which is another place where me and Gestalt and me and hypnosis play really well together is because those are two modalities of healing that really, really are beautifully done when you allow the creative to just emerge and you co-create mm-hmm. with somebody else. You co you co-actively participate in an experience. So it was a skill that I learned early on, but yes, it comes into everything. Creativity and the co-creation process is definitely part of everything I do. 
Yeah, thank you. Thank you for expressing, you know, the fact that that just kind of allowing the energy to emerge into a beautiful expression. Um, I, I really think that that's an important thing. It makes me feel good just to even take and hear that. So, so Kim, based on our time together, is there any wisdom that you would want to pass on to anybody that's listening to this? Absolutely. Because your vision is so, it's so precious. And um, we, we just recorded a podcast episode today on dreaming big. That was our business animal podcast episode earlier today. I'm like, this is my vision day. <laughs> this is where <laughs> I've gotten to spend my day immersed in vision. So I, I think allowing yourself to dream the biggest dreams that you can dream and my, my hunch is that if you do that, you will feel what you're really supposed to be doing in all of that. And I think our culture and our world really tries and both and our conscious mind, as I'm learning in hypnosis, they really try to sabotage us from that full expression of who we are it and it's it's a safety mechanism right it's a you know because when you put yourself out there you also take some risk in that factor but the joy my friends is so worth the risk of putting yourself out there and reaching for the bigness of who you really are and what you what is really calling you in to participate in it and even though that may seem unachievable, you may have no idea how you're going to get from here to there. Um, all of these things appear to be in the way. It's all part of the process. And as we often say in Gestalt, you have to trust the process. Indeed. So do you have, if people would like to get a hold of you, do you have some contact information you'd like to share? I do. So the best place to find out a little bit more about me and who I am without diving too deep into the weeds of the multitude of things I do is just to go to a website called KimberlyBeer.com. Um, it kind of lays it out in a little bit more succinct manner um, and gives you a little bit of an idea of who I am. And then you can explore all of the other things from there. If you would like to talk to me personally, you can reach out to me um, by email at Kim at bemorebusiness.com. That's Kim at B-E-M-O-R-E business, B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S.com. So Kim, thank you so very much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank talking. you.